I'm sorry, last time I checked, I thought we lived in a free country, so. No, we don't. No? It's the United States of don't touch that thing right in front of you. On the third bugle blast, I shall loudly announce attack! <laughs> At which point, we will all jump out of this box. Great Scott! I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. Gum gum, you give me gum gum. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Dude, cool this night! I'm back. You, That is not my name. This town needs an enema. Who are these people? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating documentary films about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective and pursuing truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. I live in the real world where men sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> you can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. Welcome, welcome to another Tuesday edition of Fearless with Mark and Amber. Are you threatening me? <laughs> Seriously? I am the great cornholio. Oh, my word. Okay. Can't take you anywhere. That's why I'm stuck here. <laughs> I don't leave the house. <laughs> she lets me stay in my little space here. Your own little corner of the my world. Little, my own little corner of the world. Okay. What do you got? What's going on? Well, first... No one has gotten correctly guessed. Correctly guessed. So oh, I, no. I would like to, I'd like to go through it, and I would like to see if you can guess them. So um, I have, I have all twelve of them in a row. Okay, you guys. So I'm going to play them one at a time. You guys, because <laughs> this is the last week for that intro. You know, I'm good for music lyrics, one. not movies. <laughs> Because I got my me bad yeah, on. You get your me bad. <laughs> anyway, okay, go ahead. Okay, first one. Here we go. Okay. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, I thought we lived in a free country, so. No, we don't. No? It's the United States of don't touch that thing right in front of you. Okay, I can see it's Ben Stiller mm-hmm. in Night at the Museum. Yes, which one? Uh, How many are there? There's three of them. Oh, my gosh. The second one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Multiple choice. Yeah. Phone a friend. There's one for one. Okay. okay, here's the next one. Okay. On the third bugle blast, I shall loudly announce attack! <laughs> okay. Point, we will all jump out of this box. Okay, so I'm going to guess that's the same Night at the Museum too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Great Scott! Of course, that's Back to the Future. That's Back to the Future. One. How many Back to the Futures are there? There's three of them. Okay. And to be honest, I couldn't tell you if that's from one, two, or three, but I think it's from one. Okay. All right. Then how is somebody going to guess it correctly? I would have given them credit for whatever they said. Yeah, okay. Okay. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw it. It's Ed Rooney from (laughs) Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. (laughs) Number five. Gum gum. You give me gum gum. Okay. (laughs) I'm confused if it's two or three of Night at the Museum. Or it's maybe actually, it's the first one? It's actually the first one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. Night at the Museum one. Okay. Okay, number six. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody. <laughs> Grace! <laughs> <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller. All right, number seven. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Okay, that's got to be number one. That's Yeah, that's yeah. the first one. That's easy. 
Back to the future. Don't cross this line. <laughs> it's night at the museum again, but it's the Num- number, second number two. Yeah. Yeah. Second one. <laughs> uh, okay. Number nine. I'm back. This is a hard one. Was that the Terminator? It is Terminator, but which one? I guess number two. No, it's Terminator three. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> you have a diehard fan. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I knew, but yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it's Terminator 3. Okay. All right, number 10. You. That is not my name. That is not my name. <laughs> <laughs> is that from the first night at the museum? No, it's number two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is that all there are? No, two more. Okay. This town needs an enema. I have no idea what this is. Do you know, I know you, what it is? You don't know this movie? I don't know what this is. Do you know who it is? This town needs. I an can enema. see the guy, but I, I can't tell you his name. It's Jack Nicholson. Okay. As the Joker. Are you sure? Yeah. This town needs an enema. Well, it's, you said it's from as Batman. the Joker, it's Batman. Yeah, it's 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 Batman from I think it came out in ninety one with Michael Keaton. Okay. I would. To me, it's the original Batman, but right. there were there, there was were the original previous. Batman yeah. in the sixties. But this is yeah, it's Jack Nicholson okay. from Batman. I'll have, to, I saw, I'll have to go and watch the original. Or, I well, saw, that one, I should say. Uh, yeah, it's Tim Burton directed it. Mm. I saw that movie when it first came out mm-hmm. in the theater. So if you're from around Fort Wayne. So uh, some people don't remember the Holiday Theater 1 and 2. Oh, over there by the Coles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Holiday 1 was, <clears throat> these were from these theaters, It was it was two screens and they were built, I think, in the 50s. So this was the era of huge auditoriums, huge screens. Were they like black and white films originally? No, not in the 50s. Okay. No. But <laughs> Holiday One sat almost 1,100 people. I mean, it was enormous. And it had, they actually could project in 70 millimeter, which was really rare. So, like, the original Star Wars came out in 70 Fun movie. fact for you. Why do you know this information? <laughs> Again. Because I'm a film nerd. And I used to work in the theater business. No, I, I was an assistant manager, so I got, I knew all the insights <laughs> about the, yeah. <clears throat> so, 70 millimeter. So, back in the day, there was, when everything was film, it was, you know, there was 8 millimeter, which was... Uh, like what you would have for your home movies. Listen, my kids tell me I was born in the 1900s. So, <laughs> you know, back in the day. The late 1900s. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, then there was 16 millimeter. Uh-huh. And then all the movies were shot on 35 millimeter. <laughs> and then there was 65 millimeter and 70 millimeter. So if 35 millimeter was HD, then 70 millimeter was 4K. Right. You're talking in a foreign language to me right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord for digital. <clears throat> right. Okay. So, but 70 millimeter uh, cameras and film, I mean, it's enormous. This stuff is mm-hmm. really big mm-hmm. and it's heavy and it's really expensive. And so to project it, you had to have a massive projection system. That's cool. And so. But yeah. it's no longer in existence. No, there are no a longer few. In no, there are a few that still show so um christopher nolan mm-hmm. who did the new batman movies mm-hmm. batman begins the dark knight dark knight Re- uh, returns or whatever um he him and quentin tarantino still shoot in film exclusively and they 
still have enough influence in Hollywood to force a release on film prints. Wow, I was just going to ask if they get those digitized. They do eventually. Yeah. Um, but there are theaters that will roll out the film projectors for just those specific films. Just to see those in, mm-hmm. you know, projected in, from the celluloid. I And to the untrained eye, they you, you can't wouldn't, see You the wouldn't difference. know the difference. Yeah. To be honest, <clears throat> the problem with film was always I'm getting way into the weeds here, but there was something called <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> there's something called called gate weave. Cut. Okay. <laughs> so you would get what was called gate weave. And if you remember watching movies in the theater and the picture would kind of shift left, right as it was going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if there was a real change, something like that, that's called gate weave. And so stuff like that. And, and it's a physical print that would keep going through the projector over and over and over again. It would get dirty. It would get scratched. And so the only way to see it really clean was to get there. It one of the first, when it first opened after the first week or two, it was scratched and dirty. And then when it went to the second run theaters, (laughs) it was really abused. And you know, and isn't it fascinating that they, that, that companies make overlays to go on to digital. Right formats to give it that effect and that look yeah yeah well it's funny it's funny to me because there's this whole generation coming up that you know they they're they're trying to emulate something that they've never shot Mm -hmm. you know most most people have never shot film Mm -hmm. at this point and i understand why i mean it's hard to even find the stuff now yeah but But processing it is even worse oh my word anyway so wrap it up okay so (laughs) let's see so you got that one this town yeah. needs an enema. So I saw that in the theater. That's where that story was. That, was that the last one? No, I got one more. Okay, one more. Who are these people? Yo, it's Jerry Seinfeld. That's from Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. He just said it all the time. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you just look on YouTube, you can find a compilations of him saying, who are these people? Yeah. It was just kind of his. It was from, it's from his stand-up act. He, mm-hmm. he would do that. So Okay, moving on. That's all I got. So... New open next week. New open next week, yeah. Uh, but we do have a screening coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah. February 16th. It will not be on film. It will not <laughs> be on film, but it will be on a brand new LED wall. Yes. At Life Church in Noblesville. So in, I am pumped and excited. In glistening HD. <laughs> Free from gate weave. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So you can get tickets at dysphoriamovie.com. Text the word Noblesville to 80888. Uh, more information there. And we will be there. Yes, we will be there. Do a little Q&A at the end. So yeah. we would be, we'd love to, love to see you. If you missed the, the original premiere down there. Then I say we had the red carpet there yeah. at Noblesville, but now this is, this is just a regular screening. So regular screening tickets. Are only come four, on, come all. Tickets are only $14. Mm-hmm. So you should come. Yeah. So. Um, I do have one article to share here. And then after break, we're going to I'm, I'm going to introduce everybody to a, a new story. It's an old story, but um, I'll get to it here in a second. But we've got interesting articles. articles. Well, this one's actually pretty disgusting. Oh, great. I always <clears throat> love those fun ones. So I don't know if you were paying attention a few weeks, maybe a month or so ago. Uh, that on X, 
Twitter. For, formerly Twitter. Yeah. Um, this was making the rounds that there were um, – well, let me just read the article. Okay. U.S. Capitol Police. We love You know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good. No one will be charged after leaked Democrat staffers gay sex tape in Senate hearing room. What? Didn't you hear about this? Uh, ugh. Oh, they, no, no, this is, oh, okay. come on. U.S. Capitol Police won't pursue charges, won't pursue charges after a Democrat staffer allegedly filmed a gay sex tape. It's not allegedly. He put it on, he put it on Twitter. Okay. Unbelievable. A gay sex tape in a Senate hearing room earlier this year, sparking criticism over the two-tiered justice system that imprisons J6 suspects while allowing utter debauchery to unfold. Obviously. You don't say. Um, in a statement released Thursday, the U.S. Capitol Police wrote, quote, For now, we are closing the investigation into the facts and circumstances surrounding a sex video that was recorded inside the Hart Senate office building. On the morning of Wednesday, December 13th, after consulting with federal and local prosecutors, as well as doing a comprehensive investigation and review of possible charges, it was determined that despite a likely violation of congressional policy, there is currently no evidence that a crime was committed. (laughs) They literally were having gay sex on the table in the Senate hearing room okay, and but, filming it. Okay, but what's the crime? What's the crime? Well, apparently that's no crime in our in our country. I mean, I hate to I hate to say it that way, but I, like literally, it's disgusting on all levels. Mm-hmm. Well, remember what Alex Newman talks about in Dysphoria that we decriminalized sodomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. is what this was. This was this was straight up sodomy. Yeah, in the Senate hearing room. Uh, Although the hearing room was not open to the public at the time, the congressional staffer involved had access to the room. The two people of interest were not cooperative, (laughs) nor were the elements of any of the possible crimes met. The congressional staffer, who has since resigned from his job... Oh, good. That was going to be my next question. ...exercised his Fifth Amendment right to remain silent and refuse to talk to us. (laughs) Our investigators are willing to review new evidence should any come to light. Right, and if you didn't do anything wrong, why are you not saying anything? I don't know. The U.S. Capitol Police's decision not to press charges is in regards to a gay sex tape uh, by staffer of Democrat Senator Ben Cardin from Maryland and posted in a private group online. Mm. Okay, So it's not... It's not enough that they did this, but they then bragged about it Mm because they filmed it. Um... And then it was exposed, and then, of course, the this is a U.S. senator's staffer. Um, just but to, they've resigned, so, okay, now everybody's going to move on with their lives. Right, right. right. But this That's, is the same – so this is the same police force, though, yeah. that has imprisoned little old ladies mm-hmm. who were escorted through the Capitol building by police. Uh-huh. Yep. And they're rotting in prison. But we can have gay sex tapes in the Senate chambers, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Listen, you're preaching to the choir. Nothing to see here. I know. And so that's the state of our nation. That's where we are right now, Mm -hmm. literally. So does it make you want to obey laws that they pass out of that chamber? 
they they don't even have respect for no. the chamber or no. where they're at. Ugh. Absolutely unacceptable. Okay. So let's go to break and we will come back and we're going to introduce you to a new story that's an old story, but new to you. BRB. Hey, this is Pastor Micah Beckwith. I'd like to invite you to a can't miss event on February 16th, 6.30 p.m. at Life Church, where we will be hosting the premiere of a powerful and eye-opening documentary called Dysphoria. Through the personal stories of three families, Dysphoria reveals the shocking truths behind the transgender agenda and its devastating impact on individuals, families, and society as a whole. Tickets are just $14. Text the word Noblesville to 80888 for more info. That's Noblesville to 80888. Can't wait to see you there. Okay, we're back. So <clears throat> I want to introduce everybody to a story of something that happened um, in our hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And this started way back in the 50s, concluded in the late 80s. Um, and this we're going to spread this out over a couple of weeks. So long story short, um, I had started collecting interviews about this story to try to put together a documentary film about what happened. Mm -hmm. Because when you hear about what happened, you, you, you be quite amazed. This was basically the first time. So Fort Wayne, Indiana was the epicenter in the eighties for the first time that a community, not just a church, Mm -hmm. an entire community united and stood up against the pornography industry. Mm-hmm. So this was before the internet. And so for people to get their porn, they had to go to the dirty bookstores mm-hmm. and the X-rated movie theaters, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the X-rated movie theaters had the porno films. And I remember as a kid that um, where my dad worked was on Broadway and just a few blocks down from uh, where his office was in the GE building, there was an old movie theater. It's still there, but it's not a movie theater anymore. Mm -hmm. It's now, it's a jazz restaurant or something. It's been totally renovated. But it was a porno movie theater. And I just remember as a kid, we would go by it. And all I remembered about it was that we didn't really talk about it. That's where they show dirty movies. Mm -hmm. And it was called Cinema Blue. Um, so I remembered this and something had stirred in me that I, I had wanted to know more about this story my whole life because the prosecutor at the time, so long story short, the whole community came together and united against the porn industry and they got all of the dirty bookstores shut down and they got all the theaters shut down. And this case actually went all the way to the U S Supreme court. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a fascinating story. But the prosecutor who was involved, um, I'm related to distantly. Yeah. His name was Steve Sims. And I remember my mom telling me about Steve Sims and saying he's a good man and he's mm-hmm. cleaning up this town. And so I just always wanted to know about this. So this is what led me to uh, tracking down Pastor Bob Yawbert, who was the pastor at Broadway uh, Christian Church in downtown Fort Wayne at the time. And uh, he was the one who really kind of spearheaded this. So I have um, two clips that I want to share with everybody. And this is from 
the, I think this is from 1984, these clips, at a conference that was being held in Cincinnati um, by Dr. Jerry Kirk, who... Dr. Jerry Kirk was the inspiration for the mind police. I was just going to say <laughs> all of this, all of it, you know, if people, you kind of, you want to see what behind the scenes is. Yeah. And you had already been researching this and, and working on sort of like the, the um, elements, if you will, mm -hmm. of another film, but yet talking to all of these men mm -hmm. who have gone before us and, mm -hmm. you know, History is fascinating and we yeah. can learn so much from each other if we would just stop and pay attention, <laughs> you know, and so it, it has been a fascinating journey to see it come full circle and there to be a a film that we didn't even know was going to be produced. Right. The Mind Polluters. Right. Right. Well, and what's interesting is that that I had a conversation with Jerry Kirk because what I... Because these men are still living. Right. Jerry is still with us. Uh, I think Jerry's probably 97 or yeah, so now. I mean, he's yeah. and he's still he's still active. Uh, and Jerry Kirk was the one who wrote the book, The Mind Polluters. The Mind Polluters. Mm -hmm. And so I tracked him down first to ask him if I could have permission to use this clip uh, that I'm going to share with you in the f documentary film. Mm -hmm. Now the documentary film never got completed. There's, mm -hmm. we, I, I filmed a lot of interviews and then I found that a, a lot of the really good interviews, people wouldn't talk to me. Mm -hmm. Some people <laughs> I, had died. I don't like you cause you're dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> people, there's a lot of people that didn't want to talk to me. And the reason why is because this all went, the, the, this this was a, a mob story. Right? Mm -hmm. the, the the mob the Detroit mafia was running all of these, and they and they have that much power running the cinemas, the cinemas and the, and the bookstores, and the bookstores, yeah. Right. And they have that much power still that people still, you know, thirty five plus years later, still didn't want to talk about mm -hmm. it. And so it kind of fell apart because I couldn't get enough people yeah together to tell, to, the story. to tell the story so i i've had all of these clips for 10 years mm -hmm. and just kind of sitting on it going well what do i do with this because it's such a great story um and how they how they pulled this off so um well and especially just for you know to the reason for us sharing it is so that you can all be encouraged mm -hmm. in your walk with the lord and everyone can take action yeah that's that's really the heart of this everything that they did it was it was the heart of cleaning up the town mm -hmm. you know having decency restored yeah and this was and there was an organization that was involved uh in this in this conference that you're going to hear these clips from called citizens for decency through law which mm -hmm. was based out of cincinnati and i tell you what happened in fort wayne was the inspiration for a lot of others cities even like cincinnati getting cleaned up mm -hmm. and this story has just kind of been lost to history there's there's one book that i found that referenced this called pornography a human tragedy mm -hmm. that has a chapter that talks about the fort wayne story yeah um but other than that no one has bothered to preserve this 
accept us. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's been done before. It can be done again. Yeah. I mean, even even when you look through scripture, there's so many things that the Lord can restore, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so if we are faithful and just, you know, whatever, being obedient to whatever he's called us to, mm-hmm. the Lord is mighty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so the first clip here, this is Pastor Bob Yoberg. And uh, this is, uh, well, he just tells the story in a great way. So here we go. Thank you, Jerry. I'm a local pastor in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I've lived there 20 years. The main thing I want to say to you today as you go home is to begin with prayer. I have believed in prayer all of my life. And I want to warn you, don't pray unless you mean it because you might get what you ask for and you might not be ready for it. Ten years ago, during a movement of Key 73 that was sweeping our nation to try to call the continent to Christ, I prayed a prayer, Lord, send us laborers for the harvest. That prayer moved me from the comfortable suburbs to the central city of Fort Wayne. We were led to an old abandoned church building, a hundred-year-old building, And we didn't have to build and expand in a multi-thousand dollar project, but for $125,000, we got a 48,000 square foot old United Methodist building. And I'll tell you, the Methodists knew how to build them. (laughs) A year and a half later, a hardcore adult bookstore moved in two doors from that building. Now, it's not easy for me to tell you this, but there had been times up to that point that I would casually pick up an, a sexually explicit magazine and look at it. I have a little room upstairs in that old building where I get away from the telephone and people and I go there to pray. And on my knees I ask God, God, why are you allowing this store to come two doors from our building? And this was the answer I got in my conscience. You want to fool around with this stuff? I'm going to rub your nose in it. And I wept. And I knew that I could no longer be neutral. We filled the city council chambers in an attempt to get that store out of there, and it failed. And then Dr. Tim Warner, president of the Fort Wayne Bible College, and I started praying together for our city and praying that a few other pastors would come and pray with us. And they did, two, three, five, seven, eight, Finally, there were 10 pastors every Friday morning in our little chapel, two doors from the porn store, praying at 6 o'clock, praying for our city, praying for our elected officials, praying for the church. And folks, I want you to know we prayed for five years. Is five years too long? At the end of five years, a young man came, and he just kept coming. He wouldn't go away. His name was Pat Yale, young charismatic. And he kept prodding me and prodding me. He said, when are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? And finally, I realized <laughs> that something had to be done. And then I sought out a few men. Now, hear me carefully. Jerry has said this. I'm saying it again. This is the strategy. You get involved with God and get God into your life and the holiness of God in your life and get your life cleaned up. And then you find some other men and some other women who are interested in the same thing. And believe me, there's a lot of them around. I went to Tom Blee, who was sitting at this table. Tom Blee is an attorney. He's on the National Board of CDL. He's in our town and had almost single-handedly been fighting pornography for 10, 12 years. Well, I didn't have to say more than one word to Tom. 
and he almost jumped over me. I went to uh, the hospital administrator next door to our church, uh, a, a dear Catholic brother just in from Boston, Dick Riley. Man, what a fighter. Dick said, what's that store doing down there? Two blocks from my hospital. I said, well, I'd like to know what it's doing one the same block as my church. He said, if we can ever do anything about it, let me know. So I got a hold of Dick Riley. Then there was Jerry Diener, who owns a construction company in our city, second generation. Doyle Staten, a black pastor from the inner city who had been praying with us. And there was Jim Schweigert, who was the manager of the local Christian FM radio station, a former police officer. And we got together and we decided we're going to do something. We formed an executive committee of CDL. And then as we met and, and began a strategy, each man reached out and, and those who he knew in the area who were influential, and I'm talking about business community, this was a citizen's movement. This was not a church movement. This was not a movement of pastors, it was a movement of citizens, a broad enough umbrella to bring in all of those who believed in morality. Each man invited as many as he could reach, and we met at the Chamber of Commerce. Eighty-three men and women came into that chamber that morning. And as they came, I heard rumblings at the tables, First Amendment, First Amendment, what are we really doing here? We showed them a ten-minute preview of what you saw last night, only it was put out by CDL, ex examples of what's on cable. This was three years ago. And after the people saw that, they were so shocked. One businessman came to me afterwards. He said, are you going to show this to the pastors? I said, what do you think? Yes. He said, they have to see it because they don't know what it is. Eighty-three men and women, business leaders of our community, signed cards and allowed their names to be printed in this ad in both the morning and the evening papers saying, we've had enough. We're taking a stand. Copies of that are out on the table this morning. We went from there to the pastors. We had two breakfasts. I prayed for a hundred pastors. I remember something that John Wesley once said. I can't quote it, but it was, Give me a group of men who fear God and will storm the gates of hell. I prayed for a hundred pastors. God gave us a hundred and eighteen. A hundred and eighteen pastors from forty-four denominations signed those same cards, and their names also appeared in this newspaper. And up till that time, we couldn't get five pastors in Fort Wayne to agree on the time, let alone. <clears throat> and then we, 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 we challenged, we went to our mayor, who is here today and is going to speak, and he agreed it was time that something should be done, and we promised to support him. Our chief of police, our prosecutor, at that time the prosecutor was inactive. And so it took six months to elect a new prosecutor. And it took a year and a half after that, allowing him to get his job done, all right? The picket line, we had 2,000 people from those churches who went on the picket line. And folks, they've been picketing for two years. That's through two Indiana winters and hot summers. And March the 19th of this year, three hardcore porn stores were closed, padlocked, and confiscated by our police. And the men who were crucial in that, Steve Sims, our prosecutor, who can't be here, but I'm telling you, Steve burns with a blue flame. But there was Chief Fiegel, he's here, would you stand? Chief Riemann, uh, uh, Dan Fiegel is our sheriff, and Sergeant Coleman. These are the men that led the squad. Clear at the back. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? And the answer to that is no. When we started, I told the people in the chamber that morning, someday I expect my grandchildren to live in Fort Wayne. I want to clean it up. 
I'm happily married. A dear, dear, beautiful gal in Maryland is praying for me this morning. We've been married 30 years. We have two gorgeous children. They're both married. Our son can't have any children. But my daughter's going to give me a grandchild in January, God willing. And we're starting to clean up Fort Wayne for that grandchild and for the other grandchildren that are being born and the other children that are coming to our city. I want to close with these words. Jim Schweiger has said it often. If not now, when? And if not you, who? So, there's part one of that. Now, I've got another another clip that I'm going to share here. Uh, he referenced um, Tom Blee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've got, I've got Tom's uh, speech from this same conference. And I, this was... I forget the name of the of the conference. I'll I'll figure it out next week. But um, that that speech is uh, it's so powerful, you know. Um, and at that time, the story was they had been victorious, but it wasn't completely over yet. And, mm-hmm. and you'll learn about that as as we go because um, they. They closed down three bookstores and one of the move, one of the two movie theaters, and the other one was was technically not tied to all those three, and that was called the Rialto, mm-hmm. which is still still uh, in downtown Fort Wayne. Um, anyway, so now let's uh, listen to uh, Tom Blee because he is the attorney who had been fighting this problem in Fort Wayne for over a decade before. Bob came along. Mm-hmm. So interesting perspective here from Tom. Yarberg's a heck of a guy. It's true, he did come to me uh, shortly after that porn shop had opened near his church. He came to me because I had been involved in fighting pornography in Fort Wayne for a number of years. All I'd gotten out of it was a lot of experience. And uh, Bob asked me what to do, and I said, well, it takes some direct action, I think. We've tried everything else. Let's try some picketing. I'd like you and your you and your congregation to pick at that joint and let's see what happens. And Bob said, I'll think about that. <laughs> and he came back a few weeks later and he said, uh, said, my congregation and I have decided that we're going to pray for the conversion of that porn shop operator. <laughs> I didn't say so, but I thought privately that if he did that, it would have put the conversion of St. Paul in the shade. I'm not cynical about the power of prayer, but I think it needs a bolt of lightning along with it once in a while. So uh, after some months of their prayer had washed up against the hard rock of a pornographer's heart, Bob came back to talk to me again, and CDL Fort Wayne was essentially formed. And one of our major tools was picketing. Turned out to be our most effective, I think. Like like most communities, uh, Fort Wayne's political structure had a sort of a laissez-faire attitude toward pornography. It just wasn't a priority item. Do you know? It just wasn't a public issue. And picketing changed all that because picketing is news. The, the, the media can't ignore you. They won't ignore you. It really is news. It's hot news. We had a lot of news stories in the paper when the picketers started, had editorials in the paper, pro and con. It didn't make any difference. I don't care what position they took as long as they were talking about the problem. We had the radio and television stations. Uh, editorializing and showing the pickets out in front. It, 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 it galvanized public opinion. 
It made the people of Fort Wayne start talking about the problem, brought it to the surface, and made it a hot issue. Made it, ancillarily, a, a political issue, which is, which is all of the good. We discovered it's also a, a weapon that pornographers don't know how to combat. They traditionally wrapped themselves in the First Amendment. You've all heard that they're not entitled to First Amendment protection, but that's their chief line of defense. Well, you see, when you put people on the street who are exercising two First Amendment rights against these people, it puts them in a tight box. We're talking about people out there who are exercising the right of citizens to freely assemble, to redress their grievance, and citizens out there exercising two of their freedom of speech rights, one to walk peaceably, and the other to carry signs uh, discussing what it is they want, to, want accomplished. So you've got First Amendment rights butting up against really non-existent First Amendment rights, and they don't have a thing to say, except, as they said in Fort Wayne, well, it's their right. You bet it is. <laughs> this, uh, this picketing in, uh, creates some intense public pressure. As I mentioned, the media pressure creates the public pressure. You've got people out there walking the streets, braving the weather, calling for officials just to enforce the law, to enforce the law against the crime which is being committed hourly, every day that those shops are open. And that's all we ask for. Now, that's the kind of public pressure that brought about what ultimately happened in Fort Wayne. I want to share, you, share with you a, a one day in the life of our picketing, which, as Bob told you, has gone on for two years now. Our, public, our prosecutor brought an action under the RICO statutes and eventually a local judge, as he mentioned, closed down all of our porn outlets but one. One theater remained open. We decided to have kind of a, kind of a victory picketing march. And one day last April, a cool evening, just a few months ago, CDL pickets showed up in front of that theater and they marched <clears throat> four abreast, seven blocks long, And they marched for two hours. Now, that's a powerful public statement. I mean, that's a powerful public statement. That can make us kind of feel good, too, I must add that. <laughs> there are several hints I want to leave with you uh, about picketing. I, in your packet somewhere is a uh, rules for picketers that I wrote to make sure that everything went, went properly. But let me give you a couple hints anyway. First of all, I suppose you might have guessed that it's a long-range commitment is sort of imperative. We just passed our second year, and we expect to go on just long enough now for that last porn outlet to be closed. But that's long term, and if you're living in the South, it may be a little easier. But Fort Wayne had was toughest winter in a long, long time. A couple of years ago, we had old ladies out there in in, uh, in ski suits, you know, just doing their thing when it's ten below zero. It takes a real commitment. Secondly. The churches are the key to picketing. There's no question about that. We invited the pastors to meetings, and the pastors committed their flocks. And so when our picketing coordinator was setting up the monthly picketing schedule, he would call the church and say, you're on every Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m., in front of the Rialto Theater. That's every Wednesday this month. And he would do that with every church on our schedule. And then those churches were responsible for having pickets on the line, and they responded. I think it's the only way to go. At least it's, in our opinion, it's the only way. It worked beautifully, and it's the only way we did it in Fort Wayne. Thirdly, I recommend you keep it secular. Uh, 
You can call for enforcement of the obscenity laws. That's important. I suggest you do not call for the enforcement of the Sixth, Amendment, the Sixth Commandment. The reason for that is that you encourage all the people in the community to join with you because all you are doing is asking for enforcement of the law, and you prevent the media from dismissing you as religious fanatics, which they will do given half a chance. We never gave them that chance. Fourth, be sure you keep control. Uh, you're there to peaceably demonstrate and not to confront. We had picketing coordinator who was a man in charge of all picketing. He was in two-way radio communication with every picket captain. We had a picket captain on the line in front of every picketing location. There was instant two-way communications in case of problems. They were able to contact the picketing coordinator who would call the police, and the police were very responsive in keeping order. That, we thought, was very important also. And it also gave us a great deal of credibility. There were no serious incidents during two years of picketing. Fifth, and I think this is the very most important thing I can impart to you, uh, Reed Carpenter mentioned the importance of showing your community standards. You want to keep in mind the Supreme Court test for determination of obscenity hinges on applying contemporary community standards of that community. And so, obviously, picketing is a highly visible way to demonstrate what your community standards are. So when that pornographer, as he eventually will, shows up in your local courtroom in the, in the defendant's dock, and the defense attorney, as they traditionally will, raises the argument that, well, there are porn shops in your community, therefore your community must tolerate them, and therefore the toleration of, of obscenity must be your community standard. And that's a typical pro a defense attorney's trick. Well, you've got a powerful argument against that. Picketing gives the lie to that argument. I commend it to your attention and to your use. Thank you. So the, I've got so much more to share as we go through the next couple of weeks. So uh, I, I could not track down Steve Sims, but I was able to get an interview with Karen Richards, who at the time was, so she, she was, she filled the role of prosecutor, Ellen County prosecutor right, for many, many years. Um, and I interviewed her when she was the prosecutor, but during when all this was going on, she was working in Steve Sims office. Mm -hmm. Um, and she actually talked about being in the Supreme Court. She she went to the hearing mm -hmm. at the Supreme Court. But I've got a clip of her that we'll uh, share next week where she talks about this whole community standards thing. And mm -hmm. we've shared it before a long time ago, but now it has more context. Yeah. Right. So anyway, um, and I have more recent interviews with both Pastor Bob mm -hmm. and with Tom Blee mm -hmm. and uh, interviewed Tom and he, Tom, Tom Blee died maybe a year and a half, two years after I interviewed him. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad that, glad that I got that. He was a senior partner at a law firm mm -hmm. in Fort Wayne and uh, Pastor Bob is still with us mm -hmm. and uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk to him I'll again, him in. <laughs> but I've got the interview. So I, I interviewed Pastor Bob at the Rialto Theater. Yeah. And that whole story I'll share with you as we go. Why at the Rialto and why? what was my connection mm -hmm. there goes back to a, another whole story, which we don't have time for today. But, <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, 
that's all that I have for today. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening through to the end and be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and share this with your family and friends. Until next time, march on saints and be filled with the spirit. I am the great one of the